It's January 31st, 2013. The head of content at Netflix, Ted Sarandos, walks into the office of David Fincher, an acclaimed filmmaker. They smile and Sarandos slides into a chair. From their demeanor, you wouldn't guess both men's reputations are riding on an enormously expensive experiment that launches at midnight. How's it going, David? You ready? Yeah, I think we've really got something big here. For the first time, viewers will get the entire season of a new show, from the first episode to the very last, all at once. Fincher's adaptation of a British political thriller represents Netflix's first big investment in original programming. Launching all the episodes at one time, that's a bold move that Sarandos believes Netflix must make if it wants to dominate internet television. There's no choice, really, as he sees it. If Netflix is going to compete with HBO, it has to stream its own original quality content. Fincher's adaptation is compelling. Obsessively so, in fact. And Netflix's data shows overlapping audiences for the show's top stars, and for Fincher himself, a two-time Oscar winner. Three years earlier, when Hollywood found out Fincher wanted to make a TV series, well, studio heads started getting in line. After all, Fincher was the name behind some real winners like The Social Network, Seven, and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. In fact, Fincher was so much in demand that he set up a Saturday pitch marathon on Sony's lot to hear all offers. Sarandos skipped the scrum and instead scheduled a meeting at Fincher's office. First, he shared his data. And then he cut to the chase. Sarandos knew what he was doing, speaking to the heart of a creative. David, I know there are a million reasons not to make House of Cards with Netflix, but I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why it makes sense for you. First, here's a guarantee. Two seasons with no pilot. And second, I'm going to leave you completely alone so you can make the series you want. What do you say? When Netflix gets the deal, studio execs tell Sarandos he's crazy to spend so much and then release them all at once. Drag it out, Ted. Make them come back every week. You could use it to launch new shows. But Sarandos remembers... That was Blockbuster's strategy, and look what happened to them. It's one minute after midnight, and House of Cards goes live. All 13 episodes. This show will either vault Netflix into a universe of new and dedicated viewers, or be one of the most infamous faceplants in Hollywood history. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL and speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. 
It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. I'm David Brown. When we left our story in the last episode, Reed Hastings of Netflix was taking an all-shucks approach, humbly playing down any threat Netflix might pose to the studios. That is, until he had gotten himself a safe lead in the battle for best content. Now, Netflix is moving in on HBO's turf. But it's a bit of a two-way street, really. See, content-wise, at least, Netflix is trying to be more like HBO. But HBO realizes it has to get streaming down, like Netflix. Which means each one has a different strategy, but in a sense, the objective is the same. Beat the other side at their own game. In 2011, HBO sees glimmers of television's future. And it's in the cloud, where Netflix is the leader in streaming video. Three years before Netflix streams House of Cards, Time Warner CEO Jeff Bucas sets out to create his killer app, specifically designed to eat into Netflix's streaming supremacy. The app is called HBO Go, and it lets viewers watch their favorite HBO shows like The Sopranos, Sex in the City, and Six Feet Under on their laptops and mobile devices. You know, just like Netflix, but with quality content. Well, at least that was Bucus's pitch for HBO Go. But he hasn't been entirely forthcoming, because, you see, to use HBO Go, you need more than just that app. You need to subscribe to regular HBO through your cable provider. That means your free HBO ends up costing, what, more than 100 bucks since you're paying a cable bill with a premium channel? Free HBO? <laughs> right. Reviewers call HBO Go deceptive. Plus, for that kind of cash, viewers don't expect it to be glitchy or have poor video quality. Viewers are ticked, and they're talking about it in very public places, like on YouTube. Well, it's making the mistakes perhaps Blockbuster made. It's clinging onto a a delivery system that is becoming obsolete. This is kind of an opposite field of dreams situation. If you don't build it, they will leave. So in total frustration, viewers go renegade. Some turn to BitTorrent, that notorious file-sharing protocol where they're stealing pirated HBO shows. Or they share HBO Go passwords to watch shows on the app without having to pay for cable. Yellow. Hey, Dad. Uh, hi. How's it going? Um, look, uh, can I get the HBO Go password again? You know I shouldn't keep giving you the password like this. I mean, it's basically stealing, right? Oh, come on, Dad. All right, let me put you on hold and I'll look it up. If HBO doesn't get it, millennials are happy to spell it out for them. They're leaving in droves. They're getting in Bucus's face, telling him straight up that they're stealing his content. Pay TV has its worst performance on record in 2010, losing 100,000 subscribers in its second quarter. And how does Bucus react? 
But believe it or not, Bukas isn't even convinced that the so-called cord cutters actually exist. He's certain that cord cutters and cord nevers, millennials who never signed up for cable in the first place, are just going through a phase. Cord cutting is more of a notion than a reality. Once these millennials take the mattress off the floor and move into their own homes with television sets, that's when they'll subscribe to HBO. I mean, look, at the time you could have argued Bucus was right. Millennials made up less than 5% of HBO subscribers in 2010. And even now, only about 16 million U.S. adults have canceled cable, though that number is increasing quickly. Bucus calculates that HBO is making $3 billion a year from the cable companies that carry HBO. Now, why risk that for non-customers who already admit they're going to pirate content anyway? Nevertheless, HBO is stuck, stuck at about 28 million domestic subscribers. And it has another problem, too. Verifiable hits. They've been few and far between since The Sopranos went off the air and Sex in the City and Six Feet Under ended their runs, to say nothing of some rather expensive flops. Meanwhile, Netflix has been on a tear. Hastings and Sarandos are happy to let Bucus balk at cord cutting. Netflix has the best streaming app on the planet. And the shows they're offering, they're newer, and they're getting better all the time. Shows that are addictive. Programs like Breaking Bad and Mad Men get amazing buzz on their home network, AMC, but they're just not pulling in the numbers until Netflix picks up their older seasons. Then suddenly, kapow, they're more than critics' favorites. They're bona fide hits. Actually, it's a nice symbiotic relationship. Netflix streams the old episodes of these shows and generates a huge audience of viewers who want to binge on entire seasons. Then, when the original network airs the new episodes, well, the viewers head back to regular TV to watch them, and the ratings soar. They call this the Netflix effect. Ad revenues at AMC soar 40% thanks to the Netflix effect. And wouldn't you know it, the networks line up to cut deals with Netflix. Even Bucus shakes hands with the devil. He offers up the plastic surgery drama Nip Tuck and a handful of cult TV shows like Veronica Mars, Pushing Daisies, and Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. Still, Bucus is not entirely comfortable with this arrangement. When Netflix's Sarandos makes the annual trek to Time Warner in New York scouting for reruns, he tries to put Bucus's mind at ease and maybe open the door to a deal for HBO shows. This is a great deal for you. These are great shows, and we can find them an audience. We'd be happy to do the same for your HBO shows. Bucus shuts Sarandos down. Netflix is the last stop for shows I can't sell anywhere else, Ted. I see Netflix as a utility service. Kind of like trash pickup. Bucus may be closely guarding his top-shelf stuff, but Sarandos is finding other companies happy to share theirs to get the benefit of the Netflix effect. And Sarandos gets something he really, really wants in return. The exclusive rights to all seasons of any TV series he licenses. And the reason is binge-watching. What these companies don't know is that Netflix's focus groups show that people feel good while binging. They form an emotional attachment to Netflix. It's almost a Pavlovian response. Netflix knows viewers respond to its sound logo. 
with a sense of pleasant anticipation. If you've ever binged yourself, perhaps you've noticed that when you finish one episode, the next one automatically pops up. And I'm guessing, just maybe, you've hung in there for that next episode, right? Well, that's by design. Netflix uses this couch potato effect to condition you to do just that. Sarandos is amused by how much Netflix and binging have seeped into the American vernacular. Sarandos likes to joke about stream cheating. That's when you jump ahead without your friend or partner to watch the next episode. We seem to be leading a cultural phenomenon of stream cheating. With that said, Netflix can't be held responsible for any trust issues, lover's spats, or marital troubles that arise from watching ahead of your partner. So watch responsibly. Sarandos is riding high on media accolades and subscriber love. He should be on top of the world. But all he can think about is how to avoid the slow-motion crash he sees coming. When the studios realize that Internet television is inevitable, unstoppable, they'll quit selling him their best shows and movies and set up competitors. He sees a wave of it coming around the corner. And he hates to admit it, but Sarandos knows that Bucus is right. Viewers need a reason to come to Netflix. And if it doesn't create its own content and soon, it'll become a virtual landfill for old TV shows and movies. Publicly, Netflix head honcho Reed Hastings says his company isn't interested in making any major bets on original content. But Sarandos knows that for the long haul, Netflix not only has to create its own original content, but those programs have got to rock the audience. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. The story of House of Cards starts in 2010, when Sarandos has an accidental meeting with Destiny. He's wrapping up a meeting with a television executive. Sarandos is about to walk out the door when the executive he's visiting mentions a show that's still on the drawing board. Maybe Netflix would like the rights to its reruns? It's called House of Cards. David Fincher's directing. Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright are already attached to star. As Sarandos sleeps through the package of scripts, his gut tells him this could be big. Really big. Fincher is set to pitch the show to rival production studios that Saturday at the Sony lot. 
HBO, AMC, all the biggest guns are set to bid. Now, Netflix has never done anything like this, and Sarandos knows he needs an edge to be taken seriously. So he asks the studio rep to do him a favor. I want this show. I really want this show, but I don't want to go to that Saturday pitch meeting. I want to meet David separately so we can tell him why he should sell it to Netflix. To be on the safe side, Sarandos runs the elements through Netflix's database. And his instinct is right. There is an audience, a big audience, waiting for a show just like the one Fincher wants to make. When Sarando sits down with Fincher at his office on Hollywood Boulevard, he places all his chips on House of Cards. His $100 million, a substantial chunk of his content budget, just to buy Netflix an exclusive license to distribute this one title. Not even own it, just distribute it. David, let me be clear. Yes, we want the show. And here's why you should make it at Netflix. Sarandos nails down House of Cards. Now, it's time to tell the boss what he's done. (laughs) Yep, that's right. Sarandos made the deal without even checking with boss man Reed Hastings. Sarandos spots Hastings on the floor of Netflix's headquarters. Sarandos' face says he's excited and worried, too. Hey, Reed, we got to talk. Sure, Ted, what's on your mind? Look, uh, we just made a very big bet on House of Cards. Well, how big, Ted? $100 million big. Sarandos waits for it to sink in. Waits for Hastings to react. Hastings raises his eyebrows and waits for an explanation. He knows Sarandos wouldn't do something like this if he wasn't sure it would work. And Sarandos is right most of the time, still. A hundred mil? That's a freaking big gamble. Look, if we're wrong, we dramatically overpaid for one show. But if we're right, this could change the whole trajectory of the company. Long silence. And yes, Hastings is on board. We've got to become HBO before HBO becomes us. Things have been a mixed bag for a few years at HBO. That killer app, HBO Go, doesn't go, really. It's not moving any needles, at least. And HBO's had only one big hit lately, True Blood, which is not typical for the network that considers itself the gold standard for content. Then HBO's head of programming, Michael Lombardo, greenlights two series. One is called Simply Girls, about angst-ridden, sexually adventurous millennials living in New York. Then HBO takes a risk that might be even bigger than Netflix's House of Cards. Its new show is a fantasy series called Game of Thrones. Each of the first season's 10 episodes cost six to $10 million to produce. Lombardo has some angst-filled moments when he screens the $5 million pilot for the first time. In fact, he orders it to be reshot. When it finally debuts on April 17, 2011, some critics call it tantalizing, breathtaking. Despite the high body count, fantasy fans can't get enough of it. And soon the show becomes the first global TV blockbuster. 
Lombardo has a second smash on his hands with the comedy drama Girls. Writer-actor Lena Dunham dives into the world of the self-absorbed New York writer and her 20-something friends. It's better, smarter, and more honest than sitcoms on broadcast television. I think that I may be the voice of my generation, or at least a voice of a generation. The show doesn't deliver killer ratings, but it brings in something even more important for HBO right now, the eyeballs of a younger generation of viewers. HBO's new chief, Richard Plepler, had asked Lombardo for a couple of hits and a few mid-range successes, and Lombardo delivers. Boardwalk Empire, Flight of the Concords, The Newsroom, and Veep put HBO back on top as the place to go for edgy, lush, adult television. And boy, do millennials and everybody else watch HBO's new shows. Just not the way Bucus had hoped. Cable subscriptions are still flat as 2013 dawns. But millions of viewers flock to file-sharing sites to illegally download Game of Thrones episodes. That gives it a dubious distinction, the world's most pirated television series. This is all happening while viewers are begging Bucus to let them pay for his content only not through cable. In 2012, a guy named Jake Caputo puts up a website asking people to tweet how much they'd pay for a standalone HBO streaming service. Twitter blows up with a couple hundred thousand tweets in the first 48 hours after Caputo launches TakeMyMoneyHBO.com. And still, Bucus does nothing. As the debut of House of Cards nears, the entertainment industry is buzzing with predictions of disaster. Sarandos is a fool to release all the episodes at once. People will run out of shows to watch and cancel their service if they can watch all they want. The shows won't resonate if viewers can watch them all at once, the critics say. And what did Netflix know about making television anyway? But on that day in 2013, when viewers finally get access to all the episodes of House of Cards at once, well, they like what they see. The show is a huge critical success and an audience sensation. Netflix won't tell anyone how many people are actually watching the new show, but word of mouth puts it at about 29 million viewers. Clearly, people are binging the episodes of Netflix's own show, just like they've been binging other shows on the service. And everyone keeps talking about House of Cards all year long. Reviewers hail it as the equal to HBO and Showtime's programs. Netflix garners 14 Emmy Award nominations, nine for House of Cards alone, and wins three its first year. HBO's haul of 108 nominations dwarfs that, but still, being included with the established studios is validation enough for Netflix. House of Cards stars Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright are sought after on the red carpet as the first actors nominated for an internet series. Spacey plays a scheming politician who pursues the height of power at any and all costs. Viewers love and despise this character, and he's a big reason they binge-watch. Here's what Spacey says. I think what it really shows is that the audience is changing, that the audience is digging being in control. If they want to binge, they're going to binge. If they want to watch two episodes and wait, they can do that too. So I think these new platforms, this new way of discovering work, is the way the future is going. Despite all the fanfare around House of Cards, HBO is still the content king. 
it'll take billions of dollars for Netflix to catch HBO. But like the cunning Frank Underwood character, Netflix is ambitious and ready to pounce on any serious HBO miscalculation. Every kitten grows up to be a cat. They seem so harmless at first, small, quiet, lapping up their saucer of milk. But once their claws get long enough, they draw blood, sometimes from the hand that feeds them. For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule. Hunt or be hunted. On the final episode of Netflix vs. HBO, who will hunt and who will be hunted? We'll follow these giants as they compete not only with each other, but with Amazon and Fox, Disney and Hulu, Apple and Comcast, in their own version of Game of Thrones. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Business Wars, and we invite you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, NPR, TuneIn, or wherever you're listening right now. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Just tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors, and we hope you'll support our show by supporting them. And we'd love to hear from you. We're mulling over upcoming episodes. Tell us which business war you'd like to hear about at wondery.com forward slash survey. I'm your host, David Brown. Gina Keating, the author of Netflix, wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Sound designed by Jeff Schmidt. Our executive producers are Ben Adair, Marshall Louie, and Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Arisha. And we're the hosts of Even the Rich. So I want you to imagine you're about to go on stage and perform in front of 30,000 cheering fans. You pop a cough drop, take some deep breaths, tell yourself, you can do this. And that's when your brother steps into your dressing room. He tells you the police are here. Either you clean up your act or you'll get arrested. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But you just laugh and say good, because the you in this story is Madonna. You're going to give the police a moment they'll never forget. Ooh, so what happens next? If you want to find out, you'll have to listen to the newest season of Even the Rich, The Making of Madonna. Follow on Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free.